0: Today, just a wonderful privilege to share the Word of God again this morning. My heart has always been to try and help God's leaders to become more effective, to encourage them to share with them only what I really believe that the Spirit of God is emphasizing. I try to pray, find out what God's saying, what's going on in the church, even beyond what I understand or can see or I'm exposed to. But my heart's desire is to really see leaders grow up, mature, become more effective, more fruitful, um, to see churches becoming more effective and seeing society transformed. The name of Jesus glorified, the world won for Christ. Churches planted all over the world. And so every time I preach, that's in my heart and in my mind. I don't only want to share with you what I believe God's saying, but I want to keep you encouraged, strengthened, and let God make the adjustments that need to take place in all of our lives. Now, this morning I want to speak... On a very important subject one that cannot be overemphasized, god's looking for leaders certain kinds of leaders and we see something really powerful in what i'm going to try and say this morning uh, we see it in the life of david and then through the life of jesus but we see it right throughout scripture and so i want to read to you just a couple of verse or so in first of all starting in acts chapter 13 and i mean, the subject really is having a heart after God's own heart. Now, first and foremost, I believe that that means that we have to have a heart that wants to go hard after God's heart. And that will eventually eventuate in us having a heart like God's own heart. And we we'll never have quite like that, but that's what God wants us to be and wants us to go after, to, to let him transform us, to make us more like him, to, to reveal to the world how God feels about things at every level of life, right from the beginning to the end of time and into eternity. So we read this in uh, Acts chapter 13, and I'm going to highlight the the 22nd verse. And that really, the context is in 1 Samuel chapter 13. So I might just read a verse or two in that. And then we see that lived out so powerfully in the life of the son of of David, uh, Jesus Christ. We'll see that in Philippians chapter 2. So if you want to just uh, put your finger in those parts of your Bible, or if you're using an iPad or whatever else you're using, that you would just uh, turn with me to some of these scriptures. Now, bear this in mind, there are too many scriptures uh, for in the subject for me to be able to read every one of them to you. If we were face-to-face, I would try to do more of that. Uh, but time is uh, always at a premium for us. So I'm asking you, if you want to really get the major benefit God's Word, the Bible, is much more powerful than any preacher or preacher's interpretation of Scripture. While God uses teachers and, and, and the Holy Spirit interprets to us, He's the teacher. Uh, but the Word of God itself is that which transforms and that the Holy Spirit uses the most. So read the Scriptures. Please don't fall into the trap of just minimizing Scripture and more speaking more about your own personal ideas and preferences. So reading in 1 Samuel chapter 13, and I'm just going to read uh, more than likely just verse 14. The context here is that uh, there are two farmers here, uh, two kings, but they come from two different backgrounds. One's background was donkey farming, and the other one's background was a shepherd or sheep farming. King Saul, donkey farmer, King David... Shepherd, sheep farmer, and you see that carry on and and, and, and through both of their lives, uh, right up from till the the end of both of their lives, that the one remained a donkey farmer, even by God while God was trying to change him. The other remained a sheep farmer, even though he had some serious flaws and failures in his own life. But it says here in in one Corinthians chapter thirteen, uh, it, it says. Uh, um, well, I'm going to read Acts chapter 13, that, that, uh, verse uh, 14, uh, 21 first, if you don't mind. It says this, Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, the son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled 40 years. And after removing Saul, Saul, who was appointed king, presumed that he had more authority as a king than God had given to him. And he also assumed the role of the, the prophet and the priest and when the people were scattering when they were fighting the philistines uh, saul had been told by samuel the prophet wait until i come but when he saw people scattering he couldn't await god's timing so he took the matter into his own hands and he began to act as a priest offering sacrifices and then saul comes uh, samuel comes along and says what have you been doing and this is the removal of his kingship now that can happen in our leadership too when we become too presumptuous. So be very careful that you don't overstep the boundaries of what God has actually committed to you for your authority and your influence and impact, your life ministry. So it says this, he testified, after removing Saul, he made David their king. He testified concerning him, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. And then he says these words, he, a man after my own heart, if we're a man after God's own heart he will do everything that I want him to do well what a powerful 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 statement God's looking for men and women with his own heart who go after him that he can change them to make his, their hearts more like his own heart go hard after him and uh, I, for, um, well, well, we will uh, we'll leave the two Samuel, uh, the one Samuel thirteen out. You can read it for yourself from verse one through to fifteen, but just turn with me now, too, quickly, please, to the book of Philippians, and we we'll look at chapter two, and this is a wonderful, wonderful, powerful part of the Word of God, all about Jesus. It says this: If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit. If any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Now we're talking about a heart like God's own heart. This is what it means. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, um, consider others better than than yourself. Each one of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, this is what we want the heart of it. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. I mean, these scriptures can devastate our hearts when we think, this is God, the Creator, that holds the entire universe in his hands, upholds it all by the word of his power, created by simply speaking. This God, whose worship are angels, will be worshipped for all of time and eternity all the redeemed will gather around the throne and cast their every crown and everything they've ever got from God every achievement every victory all everything cast them down at it before him and worship him and serve him and love him forever and ever this is the god we're talking about this is what god is looking for people like this manifested revealed to us clearly and through the life of Jesus. So who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but made himself nothing. That was a decision he made. You can make the same decision. Taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness or appearance and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient even to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, as a result of that, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. In heaven and on earth, That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. What powerful, powerful words. Now, let's go back a moment and just remind ourselves, God is looking for that kind of leader. When he finds someone like that, he puts his spirit upon him. And he uses them powerfully, far more than them going after self-promotion, self-satisfaction, self-seeking, whatever else may be. And the problem here is that, by and large, we're either donkey farmers or we're shepherds, sheep farmers. I wonder what God's testimony at this moment in time would be about my life, donkey farmer, sheep farmer. What do you would say about yours right now? Are you a donkey farmer? Or are you a sheep farmer, a shepherd? See, donkey farmers eventually have to be rejected. Because God has committed himself to look for people who are sheep, shepherd, hearted, hearts after God's own heart. Well, what is a a heart like God's own heart? It's an important question. I'm going to try to answer part of that in two sessions. Hopefully, um, this this first session I'll take a little longer on the first uh, point that I want to make. Um, but to have a heart like God's heart, everyone would would know that it includes being a caring heart, a loving heart, a giving heart, etc. But I want to start with this in in uh, in trying to share this with you. Uh, maybe I'll share with you the seven. Things that I believe constitute a heart after God's own heart. Going after this that we need to be going after and that God wants to make our hearts like. These seven things. First of all, it's going to mean that we have a generous heart. A generous heart. I think that generos- generosity is possibly one of the key factors about a God heart. A generous heart. In other words, a giving heart. Secondly, it's a God-glorifying heart. We see in the name of, in the life of Jesus and in the life of David and in the life of his leaders in the Bible that they wanted to glorify God. Even the Holy Spirit, God himself, wants to glorify Jesus who wants to glorify the Father. So it's a God-glorifying heart. And thirdly, it's a gracious heart. Fourthly, and we see these all in, in, this, in this Philippian uh chapter 2, but we also see it in the life of David and we see it throughout scriptures in the lives of so many of God's leaders. Fourthly, it's not only a gracious heart, but it's a global heart that God wants all nations to be included in his redemptive purposes, involved in the church, being part of the church, revealing what Christ is really like and what God has for them. And then it's a going heart, not a staying heart, but a going heart, a willingness to go To leave the comforts, or Jesus even left the comforts of heaven. Come back to that in a moment, or in the next session, somewhere along the line. But we've got to have a going heart, not just a staying heart, not just a gathering heart, but a going heart, a willingness to leave and to do what God wants us to do. And then it has to be a good heart. God has a good heart, and we see that in Jesus. And we see Jesus going around doing good works and healing the people constantly throughout the Gospels. And then it's a grateful heart. Even God himself was grateful. When he created, in, in creation, he said, everything he made, he said, it's good. Jesus was forever gratefully. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. And so those are the seven characteristics, I believe, that constitute a heart that we need to be going after. And we need to let God transform us and have a heart like his own. So let's go back to the generous heart. First of all, I want to say that generosity is an absolute essential for biblical leadership, not for church leadership because there's so many people in the church that are leading that are not biblical. But a biblical leader, it's so essential for us to have a generous heart. I think it's possibly one of the most single, uh, most important keys to god generosity. And that means us personally in the leadership and that means our church being generous. You see, you can go, you can give, and you can act. Generous or gracious, but you can still be selfish and ambitious. And so we've got to have a heart. Not just we do the actions, we go through the motions, but the heart. God wants to change our heart. I want to ask you, will you go heart after God and say, Oh my God, I want a generous heart. I want it to be by the Spirit of God, imparting it, changing me, making me absolutely generous, that I love to give, that I see that I was born to give, and that you give to me so that I can give. Make me a giver, a generous person. Uh, so a generous heart is a giving, not a getting heart. It's not a give me, it's help me to give everything you give to me. Ephesians chapter 3, verse two says. Uh, verse 20 and verse 21 says this, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or think. You see, immeasurably, this is generosity. It's not like stintingly. It's not, well, what have I got to do to get away with? It's, oh, Lord, I want to just be able to truly give immeasurably. In 2 Peter 1 verse uh, 2, it says, Grace and peace to you be yours in abundance through our knowledge of God. And Jesus in abundance. He's the God of abundance. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 8, it says this God's grace that He lavished upon us. You see, this is all generosity lavished. In uh, 1 John 30, uh, uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 7, it says, talks about God's abundant provision. God's abundant provision. In 1 John 3, 1, it says, Great is the love the Father has lavished on us. In 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, it says, He is able to make all grace abound in you. Book of Jonah, verse 2, chapter 4, verse 2, says this, You are gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And we could go on and on and on. John three, sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave the most precious, his one and his only son. Uh, one John chapter five four verse ten says, This is love, not that we loved first loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sin. In one John four, verse thirteen, he has given us his Holy Spirit. Romans eight says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us. How will he not with him also, along with him, graciously give us all things? 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should bow. Everything is... God-giving. He's a generous God. And 1 Timothy, just, and I'll have to move on from there, 1 Timothy 6 says, are talking of God, says, who richly provides us with everything, richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So, so often the church is not generous. So often, or just even in, think of forgiveness. Think of how we treat people that we don't agree with their lifestyles. Sinners out there wanting to call down fire on them, people who we say, "That's, that's an abomination to God. It's true what they're doing, but we somehow mix sin with the person, what they're doing with the person. We even do that with saints. I think it's so often true in the church that saints seem to find it easier to forgive sinners than fallen saints. And yet the book of Galatians tells us, and I think it's the fifth or the sixth chapter, that we who are spiritual should graciously restore those that have fallen, remembering that we ourselves could have. But it's just like we write people off. You see, I'm not wanting to highlight that side of it. I want to highlight the fact that we need to become like Jesus. But I want you to see that we actually are not enough like him yet. So ask God to give you, generous heart. If you've got a giving heart, a generous heart, you won't be selfish. You won't be self-ambitious. You won't be self-promoting. You won't be always trying to be the number one person. All of these are symptoms of a greedy giving, getting, give me heart. In other words, self. Look at Jesus in John 8, 50. He says, I'm not seeking glory for myself. The problem with the Tower of Babel was, that society at that stage, they said in Genesis eleven 4 let's make a name for ourselves. And God had to bring disorder. And so we've got all these languages around the world. And Jesus actually said, taught, Paul wrote this, saying that Jesus in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. So a generous heart is a serving heart like Jesus. And God wants to encourage us to become more and more generous because that makes us more and more like him. Well, I've got a whole lot of scriptures I'm going to leave out. But don't be mean-spirited. Let us let God make God's generous, generosity be in every area of lives, our lives. I'm not just talking about finances here. It includes forgiveness, wanting the best for others, being able to rejoice when they rejoice. All of these are scriptural things. To weep when they weep, to, re- to bless those who persecute us, to put the best construction on, on people's uh, 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 on events as 1 Corinthians 13 tells us. And giving people the benefit of the doubt as the fifth verse of 1 Corinthians 13 tells us. Let's learn to go the extra mile. To turn the other cheek. To heap coals of fire on others rather than curse them or bring down curses on them. Rather than get revenge, let's just leave it to God. And even wanting to save face that we... We just lay that aside and say, God, I want to become a more generous person. Well, we need to be more generous. I'm having to close off the session now. We need more generous in our praise and prayer life, in showing appreciation, showing gratitude to God and to others, in our recognition of acts of kindness and help towards ourselves. You know, I preach. I've preached now for 50 odd years. And it's so seldom that even the elders of the church come and say, hey, thanks. Thanks for coming. Thanks for preaching. There just doesn't seem to be that generosity. And sometimes if they do say thanks, you you feel it's not really from the heart. Learn to be generous, to show appreciation, recognition of acts of kindness and help. Not only in the preaching area, but to the people in your church, those that are helping you. Let's learn to live healed and not allow the root of bitterness to defile us And to defile others as it springs up within us, as Hebrews chapter 12, 15 says. Let's learn to serve. Serve God without wanting any earthly reward or earthly fame. Listen, please, folk, don't let's skip over this. Let's learn to serve without wanting any earthly reward or earthly fame. Let's learn to live above our disappointments. Being polite, being appreciative in everyday life. What about our attitude at work, amongst our colleagues, friends, at school, wherever we are? These are some of the things that God wants to bring about in our lives. And so the church, God's alternative society, genuinely needs to be able to come to that place where it's generous at every level. level. We'll look in the next session at a God-glorifying heart much shorter of that one, and a gracious heart. But Father, I thank you that you hear the words of my heart, the words of my lips, and I pray that people would hear your word in those words. Please, Father, I'm asking you, please, for my own life, for those who hear, for more and more of that transforming power that comes from your Spirit, that you make us more like you. Give us a heart that is so generous, That what we begin to do, say, every act, even our thought life, will be that of abundance, generosity, lavishly bestowed, given, and thankful for the opportunity to give. Help us, in Jesus' name I pray, with thanksgiving. Amen. God bless you.